and welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Uh, we've got uh, Ollie Marriage, Ollie Q, Rowan Horncastle, and myself, Jack Ricks, in the Top Gear podcast studio today, also known as the Hive Mind, because today <laughs> we're bringing you one of those podcasts where we tell you everything you could possibly want to know, everything you could need to know about insert name of car here. Today we're talking about the Range Rover. And just a quick word on the format of these. What we do is we ask our um, ever-patient SEO team to pull the internet's most asked questions about um, the car that we give them. So today it's the Range Rover. They've pulled these most Google questions off the internet. So they do jump around a bit. There is some slightly odd wording to them, but hopefully by the time we get to the bottom of this, we've got to the bottom of the Range Rover and answered everything that you could possibly want to ask. Yeah, eat your heart out, Google. We'll have told you everything. Yeah. Who needs search (laughs) engines when you could just listen to this for an hour? Um, So uh, why don't we start with some housekeeping then? Because Yeah, we've um, got to cross off for a start range rovers that are not range rovers i think is that right chaps we are sticking to the, the range Rover, the, the, the big yeah, daddy the full fat the top of the range range rover so we're not doing the range sport we're not doing the range rover velar and we're not doing the little evoke sorry victoria beckham if you're listening so we're not bothering with those we're sticking to i bet the, she hasn't got an evoke i bet she's got a big one yeah, yeah, had the, yeah, the proper one. Yeah, this is the thing. Yeah. That's the one. It's the quintessential, <laughs> ultimate kind of luxury SUV. So that's the one we're talking about today. Now, are we going to be uh, bandying about model codes that no one really Please knows? Not. Unless you've got Wikipedia in front yeah. of you. No, I don't. I just all that number jumble is nonsense. So I think we can split it up into, and we don't do like you know the model years either. So let's split it up into the original, the OG, okay. so from back yeah. in the seventies that started the ball rolling. Then there's the slightly crap one. Let's call it the layer cake car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, you've yeah. seen that. Uh, then I think the GOAT, the mid naughty so 2002 car, that is when the Range Rover fully hit its stride. It knew what it wanted to be, as owned by TV's Jeremy Clarkson, England legend David Seaman, and <laughs> many, many other people, because it was and a hugely people, popular car. Yeah, but those yeah. are the two main ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the Queen. Uh, and the yeah. Queen, of course. <laughs> yes, God rest her soul. <laughs> and uh, following that, the bling one. Perhaps controversial when the Range Rover started to go a little bit chintzy. And then last gen now. Coming up the previous gen. Previous gen, because now we've got the current one, which I'm calling the smooth one. The the pebbly one. The pebble. Mm. Which is the old one, Mm. just a bit smoother. Yeah, it looks like the old one was kind of covered in butter and then sort of just (laughs) scraped over with a hot knife. (laughs) It's got no door handles. Yeah. So that's we don't do model codes, we do the hot butter Range Rover on this (laughs) show. Okay, so hopefully um, that made sense. Um, (laughs) Now Right in and tell us if it didn't. (laughs) Too late, we've already recorded the podcast. Um, so, first question um, from the internet. Uh-oh. Why buy a Range Rover? I mean, it's a broad question, but it's probably the most important one to start with, actually. Yeah, because there's nothing else like it, mm. I think, is really it. Because people always say, you know, what, what, if, why is a Range Rover different? Well, if you look at what all the German brands do, they've all got a big SUV, where it's the Q7, the BMW X5, the Merc GLE, mm. all of them. But they all look at each other so closely, and they none of them seem to do the same thing in the same way that the Range Rover does. The Range Rover, for its 
for all its pluses and minuses, has always managed to convey that sort of sense of English country life that yeah. that nothing else gets close to. They don't really understand it in the same way. That sort of sense of being able to off-road, even though you never do, of being able to turn up anywhere. It is the ultimate, in a weird way, estate car. It is the car for your estate to go and do everything and to do take you every, anywhere else yeah, you might need to. Yeah, it's that sense of you could have this on as a working car on a farm, or the mm. Queen, as you said, Jack, the Queen could daily one. And mm. there's no other car that does that. And I think, Ollie, is there not something else as well about there's a sense of originality to it? That it is, mm. you know, bef- way, you've got to think way back to the late 60s when this thing was being developed. Mm. The idea of a luxury kind of premium four, four by four, by four mm. would have seemed as mad as like a velvet Oh, it, covered it, it, Wellington. That would have so just actually, seemed so bonkers. But now, yeah. you know, they're scrambling, aren't they? BMW X7 and Bentley Bentayga and Mercedes GLS. They all want a piece of that action. The moment, but the, the Range Rover's been built. here the longest. It was the original. And that always makes a yeah. car that bit more desirable. It, I, I think it completely does. The, the story goes way back because the, the first one came in 1970. But actually, it wasn't that long after the Land Rover came out in the late 40s that Rover already started looking at doing a road rover and they did some concepts through the 50s which didn't really amount to much until it got into the 60s and 70s and then suddenly it got some momentum and there's whether it's the world's first suv that people say range rover is the world's first suv you you can look at things like the jeep wagoneer yeah i was gonna say the jeep wagoneer owners club are gonna be yeah the international harvester i think there was something (laughs) called it was in like 1961 or something there was, uh, there was some other stuff, uh, stuff around, but nothing hit the template for that sort of luxury, with that sort of hint of luxury. And the design of that original one was so good. I mean, that is Land Rover's template design now. Is still that same clamshell bonnet, that sort of sim- the, the design language of the original in 1970 is still carried through to today. It's like the Porsche 911. Exactly. They're just evolving it each time. Yeah. But it's also the fly in the ointment to anyone who's anti-SUV, because it's quite hard to be anti-Ranger Rover, no matter how beardy you are. They just have this pull and desirability mm. to them, and mm. also just are fantastic to drive. I was going to say, I still remember driving the... Um, I can't remember the... Go on, I'll not, refer to my not, cheat sheet. Not the, um, not the chintzy <laughs> one, the one before it. The goat, the goat, yeah, the goat. In when I worked for a, a former employer, and knowing about them, I've read about them my whole life, and then driving one for the first time and being completely blown away by um, just the, the whole experience of it. It is so relaxing. It's like um, it was just unlike anything else. You know, I suddenly got this idea of this elevated seating position that gives you a command view of the road, mm. um, the way that everything just worked like sort of double cream, mm. you know, the powertrain uh, rode so nicely. I didn't want to drive fast, but I still got to my destination quickly. It was, yeah, um, yeah it was a bit of a revelation. And I think you can, you know, other companies um, can try and copy it, and everyone is, but there's an authenticity to, you know, the current, the new Range Rover, because it's been going for so long. We've we've watched the story evolve and play out in front of our eyes rather than just like, here's a big SUV that rides nicely with lots of leather. It's like, yeah, yeah but different it's not to the that, same. It, it just makes you feel good. A lot of the time mm. in so many different ways, but it's also aspirational. So then it draws in a younger audience and then you can, you know, get one later on in life or if you have one. But also it's not showy in the same way. Uh, yes, there was the slightly chintzy one. 
but uh, it's not in your face. Like a but lot it's of a other super spec-dependent car as well, isn't it? Because if you do, you know, have it on massive wheels and you murder it out, and you can make it look really brooding and evil, but you could still have a very, like Ollie says, country estate-friendly one if you have one in a nice green with some <laughs> yeah. sensible wheels and you put the all-weather tyres on it, and you know, you can go and put sheep in the back, and it still has that. Even if only half a percent of the owners ever actually try that, the other ninety-nine and a half percent love the fact that it can. Yeah. 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 Well, I think this next question probably mm, it definitely overlaps with that first one. What makes a Range Rover different? I feel like we've I think sort we've covered, of covered that, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's why you would buy one. You buy one because it's different. It, it feels mm. unique. Um, right. And now we'll get, now we'll get into the slightly nerdier <laughs> questions. Are Range Rovers ULES compliant? Now, this does rely on us knowing what the ULES regulations are. You Anyone got two those off the top of pronunciations that You went ULES to start with and then ULES. So, so this is for, for, for non-London dwelling <laughs> listeners, and lucky you, um, this is the charge you have to pay to drive a car into London if it emits over a certain amount of... The ultra emissions zone. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, if you've got a brand new Range Rover, you should be fine, right? Everything, yeah, I think pre-2006, you should be still all right with. So um, up to post, halfway through the post-2006. Post and not diesels, though. Diesels, yeah. it's like post-2015 or 16. It's, yeah, diesels are the ones that have got stung a bit with it, which is, yeah, which used to be an awful lot of the Range Rovers that were sold. And that's why you're seeing a lot of the ones that whisper around London now are on hybrid power, mm. because they, they started doing a plug-in hybrid with the previous generation car. Um, by all accounts, a pretty good one. And, um, yeah, well, it's... Well, the it's, latest gen... Figured in well. Plug-in hybrid... Um, it's actually got quite a decent EV range. Fifty it? miles or so. Fifty miles yeah, yeah. or so, which like, is suddenly like, okay, yeah, we, you can whistle around London on that. You know, do a day's and it'll fast chores. charge. Yep. Yeah. And yep. they're going to go well, ultra compliant in well the end of next year because end of twenty twenty four. All sources point to that's when the first mm. ever fully electric Range Rover will arrive. That's in development now. I don't know if it's actually been spied testing around there. Um, their sort of factory and skunk works up at Gaydon. But um, yeah, that that is, it's on the way because it has to be on the way. I think it's a bit yeah. like the Rolls-Royce Spectre. It's going to be just a big fat no-brainer, isn't it? When it sort of, it arrives. As long as they can get, um, uh, you know, enough range in there, you know, the, a, a Range Rover that whispers I, around. I dread to think how much it's going to weigh, to oh. be honest. I dread to think. The tarmac's crying. At yeah, the yeah. It's I stuck a Range Rover Sport Hybrid on a Weybridge set of weigh scales last year, and it was nearly 2.9 tonnes. I've heard from a well-placed so source, yeah. three and a half tonnes is likely. It's and at that point, there are it? plenty of bridges in the lovely chocolate box yeah, English yeah. countryside that you can't drive this car There's across. Also plenty of people who don't, are actually on their driving licences, won't be able to drive it officially. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. I imagine they're going to have to get it to 3499 <laughs> kilos on the spec sheet, <laughs> yes, even yeah. if that means if you As get in with a... you wait with a driver on board, I guess. Well, yeah, right, yeah, but then if you get in with a packet of pool hoops, other potato <laughs> snacks are available, <laughs> then you're immediately going to need an LDV licence. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think they're going to, you know, they're going to sell as many as they can make of them. Mm. I, I think it's probably becoming my most asked question as a car journalist. People will always pin you down at a, a dinner party and say, what should I buy? And actually, um, lots of people seem to be asking me, oh, when can I get when, an electric yeah, Ranger? Yeah, 
When are mm. they doing an electric Ranger? Or you can get a plug-in hybrid. No, 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 an electric one. So used to, the answer just used to be Volkswagen Golf. Yeah, it was simple, wasn't <laughs> now it? Now it's an electric Volkswagen Range Rover. Well, I've got a dog, Volkswagen Golf Estate. <laughs> <laughs> However, Bring back just those a quick, days. quick bit of consumer advice. If you want a little hack for the ULEZ, mm. you can get yourself the, the Kingsley, um, the, the oh, Kingsley yes. Resto Mod. Oh, good point. Which is, uh, sorry, to cheat, the OG. The OG? It's the OG, yeah. so it's a 40-year-old car. Uh, which is ULEZ compliant with a big uh, four litre V8 in it. So uh, 220 so horsepower. ULEZ compliant because it's so old? Yes. But then it's just been resto So it's so like being MOT exempt. It's so mm. old that it counts as like a veteran so that you don't have to pay it. Well, if anyone, if Ken Livingston comes asking for you why, why you're driving it, just say, mate, it's your rules. So you this is drive. the ULEZ cheat code. And how much do one of those cost, bro? Oh, this is like a resto mod, isn't it? It's like the singer of Range Rovers. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't actually know off the top of I, my head, but it's going to be there's going to be six be figures well somewhere. Six figures. Yeah, yeah, it's two to three hundred grand. I think. I think they're over. They're like no, less million. than that. We start at one two five. Oh, which is actually oh, the new price bargains. of a new Range Rover, basically. So yeah, yeah. You know what? You're absolutely <laughs> right. I just popped onto the Land Rover website to have a look because I think we all thought eh, the new one starts about hundred grand. No, it doesn't. Standard wheelbase base model now starts hundred and fifteen and a half thousand pounds. What engine do you get with your base model Range Rover these days? Uh, I don't know D300? because the Land Rover website is. It says it says something called a. No, it doesn't. Except Here we cookies. go. I've just I've just <laughs> scrolled. They've got the most expensive ones at the top for no reason. Here you go for a mere one hundred and three thousand seven hundred quid. You get a D three hundred, which is probably the one you want. Yeah. But yeah, over a hundred grand now. It's impossible to spec a Range Rover. And for you can double that. Oh, yeah, mm. if you get into the uh, special vehicle operations side of things, if you yeah. knurl the heck out of every piece of metal <laughs> in sight, they'll relieve you of a quarter of a million quid. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's almost what the uh, the SV badge has become, hasn't it? It's very, very bespoke upmarket. Um, I heart knurling. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of knurling. The, the, yeah, of... The, the idea for SV is that it sort of takes the attributes of that particular model and emphasises and exaggerates them. So yeah. for mm. Range Rover's luxury, for Range Rover's sport, <laughs> it's sportiness. It's but I'm confused by this because um, for the previous generation one, which was the Chintzy one, um, <laughs> no, it wasn't the Chintzy. Yeah, so that yeah, is Chintzy yeah, well, in your list, yeah. yeah. Then they did the SVA, didn't they? Yeah. Which was the sporty one because it's got SV, but then they also put the, the seats Long, in the back. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. meal base was the luxury, so that's mm. all of them all together. Yeah, yeah. they've got, they got a bit carried away. It's been a bit confusing. The <laughs> they've they've the refined thing. the SV proposition since. Okay, all right. So here's the big question. We're, um, we're almost halfway through now, guys. We're doing well. But it could all fall apart now. Uh-oh. Are Range Rovers reliable? Oh, it really could all fall apart, quite literally, <laughs> couldn't it? Now, Ollie Marriage, yeah. you're currently dailying a Range Rover long wheelbase, aren't you? Yes, I am. Would you like one. to tell totally the ladies one. and gentlemen what happened the day it was delivered? <laughs> so it turned up at my house, which is lovely, and it looked amazing outside. So I thought, I'll just go and pop out and have a, have a look around it. And literally the first thing I did was grab the rear door handle to have a look in the back. And the door handle cover came off in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> These are the pop-out door handles. Pop-out door handle. They're all flush and beautiful when the car's going yeah, along. Yeah, yeah. It came off in my off. hand. Um, an so isolated instant, we're it, sure. It was an isolated instant for at least two or three months um, because then that just clipped back in. The only thing I've had going wrong with it, <laughs> the only thing I've had going wrong with it so far um, is I recently been over to France, was coming back, came back to the Eurotunnel, was waiting at the crash barrier, the barrier to get onto the onto the train, and of course you got all the big queue behind you. Barrier went up, light went green. I pressed the start button, 
It started, but a little warning light came on the dash saying, power steering not working. So I drove forward and literally I could barely turn the steering. And so for a couple of hundred metres, I just... Oh my it was God! Like it was like everything it, it was <laughs> unbelievably heavy, and then suddenly it came back to life. I was like, "Whoa!" But Ollie, but Ollie this, the feel, the oh, unassisted just steering imagine feel. That. Oh. Yeah, but I borrowed it a week through the barrier. <laughs> the <Euro laughs> yeah, yeah. I borrowed it for a weekend. It just because the more modern ones, electrical faults are more yeah. more common. Mm. But then the right, bizarrely, the right hand illuminated cluster for window controls and all that panel just died. And I needed to adjust, to, and but some of the it was just really patchy death mm. of some electronics <laughs> yeah. that then kind of it then woke up again. Yeah, you know, when it. I yeah. and with stopped the, it with mm. a defender, like you sort of knew the part of the dashboard that you had to punch to make stuff kind of work. <laughs> yeah. there, there were sort of known faults, weren't there? Mm. Like when the when the window got stuck going down, you knew where to kind of unscrew it and fix it. Whereas with a new Range Rover, it's just like. It's like whack-a-mole. Yeah. One minute there'll be the touchscreen have a ghost in the machine and the next it'll be like the electric folding rear seats just mm. yeah. taking I mean, the mind of their own. The thing is, it's not isolated to Range Rovers, is it? I've run a few Land Rovers. We, we all have at times and we usually have issues with all of them. Of some sort. Yeah. But, Air conditioning packing up on the Defender last year, infotainment yet, going down on so dis- they, Defenders and Discoveries. They, they have this reputation, which is probably why it's one of Google's most asked questions. Mm. And yet the customer loyalty that a Range Rover has, people adore them. And they go, oh, this yeah. is my fourth. Because there's you nothing know? else like it, is exactly. there? <laughs> we just keep you look, it's that, it's yeah. probably that or a Bentley Bentayga and you just go, slightly shudder, yeah. and mm. then go, no, I'll have the Range Rover, thank you. But it, it does... It does uh, um, top some worst reliability mm. records and also on a bank holiday weekend if you just drive out of London on the M4 or M40 and see the ones that are just parked on the side of the road because they haven't done too much mileage in a long time yeah, um, yeah you, you see a few Range Rovers yeah, filling yeah. Um, and yet, the side of the motorway would you still recommend one to a family member who's in that particular market so um, I, here's how I do it because you, the thing is if people really want one there is nothing else like it they're sort of going to have it already so say to them that yes by all means buy the Land Rover but if in a few years time you well d- n- not if in a few years time you will be facing a very big bill for something some several thousand pounds for something that's gone wrong air suspension gearbox whatever and at that point, you need to remember that we've had this conversation. And I warned you at some stage this would happen. Yes. Um, yeah. Because they're brilliant cars. And to be fair, I've never had one that's completely failed to proceed. You've just had annoying niggles. Glitches, yeah. And glitches and things. Mm. Um, that's what they tend to specialise in. And But they're the sort of thing that undermines your confidence after, well, not even after a while. As soon as you have something going wrong in a car that you can't instantly fix and you can't see a logical reason why it's happened, you're in a bit of a sort of like, oh, what's going on? And, um, yeah, not okay. ideal. I want to mention as well, just very quickly, while we're doing the bad news on Range Rovers, mm. it's get it out of the also way. Britain's second most stolen car. <laughs> they are, they're very desirable, especially with thieves. And when you think that the first most stolen car, and this is according to figures updated up to March, this is the year up to March 2023, mm. the first most stolen car, the most stolen car, with the Ford Fiesta, which is the most common car in the country by a colossal margin. Yeah. There's nowhere near as many Range Rovers about as there are Ford Fiestas. And yet that's the second most, apparently one in 100 Land Rovers was stolen through the year. So 1% oh, of all Land Rovers are stolen. So they're, yeah, they're I all think lost. Land Rover is aware that there is a problem with security mm. and it is hurting insurance premiums and mm. so on and so forth. And they and are is this trying a to sort in the, it. In the 
electrical architecture and that the keys are easy to clone or is it is, is there something about it or just the desirability uh, the article i'm looking at hasn't said but mm. i think yeah i think yeah if the car is it's this ultra desirable thing like you say everyone from a queen to a you know the queen to a you know an aspiring rapper to a you know a farmer is going to find a use for this car mm. it's the ultimate swiss army knife and that's why i think Everyone wants one, even they're, if they they're, they're, they're want to the, take someone the, I'd imagine the illicit export market for those cars of sticking them in a shipping container and sending them to somewhere remote in the world and is yeah. quite large. As we've established already earlier in this segment, um, the market for uh, replacement components, if you strip it down, <laughs> yeah. is quite high. <laughs> you, you're always going to be able to sell a, a Land Rover aircon unit. But it's, hit, it's, hitting, the it's hitting the now because <laughs> you can't actually get the new one insured, or it's very hard, but the insurers are turning down... Insuring the, the new London. Range Rover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know someone personally who had to give their order away because they live in London, couldn't insure it. So, yeah, wow. no, that's a problem. But they take heart that if yours is stolen, pot around the corner and it may well have broken down and you could just have it <laughs> ask for it back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Can Range Rovers tow? Yes. yes. <laughs> the okay, end. moving it's on. It's the horsiest car yeah, yeah, going. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, in fact, yeah, if I had a horse box to tow, I might well choose a Range Rover over anything else yeah. uh, disco defend I mean they all do it, do it well they all they? do but the, uh, well, the one point actually is that currently the long wheelbase hybrid of the new Range Rover cannot have a tow bar fitted to it mm. the short wheelbase can apparently but there's something to do with the weight limits for the long wheelbase hybrid that it cannot have a tow bar fitted well if that's screwing up the hybrid then what's it going to do with the pure EV I mean, yeah, that's going to be a yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, if it's a standard one, it can tow three and a half tons on a brake trailer. So that's yeah, that's that's most of what I know. If you're an American listener and you like to tow your power boat around, what's that in pounds? Then yeah, it's eight thousand pounds. Yeah, but exactly, it's not going to tow your power boat and your all your outdoor lifestyle equipment. But for Brits going to a pony gym carner, I think that's about fine, isn't it? Yeah, I reckon so. I'll do us. Be a heavy old nag if it got yeah, three and a half tons from Can Range Rovers drive in water? Yes, next question. <laughs> yes, next question. <laughs> what is um, the wading depth? Well, I think anything could drive in water if you're committed enough, I think. <laughs> yeah. You have to have a go. But no, it, it, if it comes it, out the other it, side. It will come out the other side as long as it's 900 mil for the latest one. I don't yeah. know what the previous... No, it's, it's nearly a metre of wading depth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's phenomenal. Because you can, with the air suspension, you can raise the air suspension. I think the, the, it's like 25 oh, so it gets centimetres of different, isn't it? Mil. And it's got that yeah. clever thing where the air, so that where the engine breathes in, the air filter that's sort of mounted quite high up near the top yeah, of the yeah. bonnet, isn't it? So it's, it's mm. sort of you know, got a snorkel and it's yeah. pre-fitted almost. There's also quite an interesting function. I think it's called wading depth indicator or something. So rather mm. than peering out the window going, is that... Deep, how <laughs> yeah. deep is that? Um, it will tell you on a sort of diagram on the central screen where the water has come up on the side of the car with a line saying, don't go higher than this, mm. which when you're halfway through a Ford um, may or may not be. <laughs> All that tech they've got is so clever, isn't it? Like you say, the wading depth graphic and that automatic terrain response where, you know, you can tell yeah. the car you're on mud or snow or gravel or mm. sand and it will set up the diffs and the suspension and the traction control and the gearbox to deal with it. Mm. Or you can just leave it alone. Leave it in auto. And yeah. it just does it. It just works it out itself. It mm. senses how much grip it's got mm. and goes, mm, this is probably sort of wet grass yeah. and it's, then it's deals mad, with it. Isn't it? It's because we unbelievable. Get ex- we get excited about cars that have launch control that learn the surface. Or drift and, mode. And, and all they're learning is pretty much how wet the tarmac is. Mm. Yeah. But you've got this, which will learn any surface you're on and work out what the grip parameters are and yeah. all this sort of thing. The, yeah. t- the tech's even clever. Incredible. It's got X-ray vision. 
because it's got that camera. Oh, it's got the invisible, <laughs> invisible through the bonnet. Yeah, you bonnet. look through yeah. the bonnet. Yeah. Yeah. You, do that. So, you need to be in a Marvel mo- movie in order to <laughs> so do that. that. It basically takes various camera positions um, from the front wheels. It also, what it does is it films the road just ahead of your bonnet mm. um, and then puts a delay on it. So the feed that you see on the screen is your wheels with the terrain that's currently underneath the bonnet because it's been delayed mm. based on the, the speed that you're travelling, which is just witchcraft. Yeah. yeah, One of the great sensations, I think, in all of motoring is you're in a Range Rover and you can only see sky out of the windscreen. It's just bonnet and sky. And you'll <laughs> yeah. just see you going up a one-in-two slope, probably clay or something in a quarry. You know, We're on a shoot and we're trying to pose it somewhere to make it look mad. But you're getting a seat massage at the same time. <laughs> and that is the Range Rover, isn't it? You're just... Yeah. Climb every mountain, conquer any obstacle, but you're just in this costed luxury at the same time. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Aircon coming through your seat. Yes. Whilst you have and, a and there is there is nothing else that does yeah. it in the same way. Because I have to say, even the new one, it's still quite ponderous around corners, but at no stage do you want it to be mm. sportier around corners. Yeah. You sit there, you've got your 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 elbows rest on the sides and you the steering's nice and light in your hands and as Ollie says the view out in Range Rovers is unlike anything else quite a low scuttle for the windscreen so you actually see the bonnet mm. and but it still feels it, it it there's a very different feel to a Range Rover sitting in a Range Rover to anything else yeah um, what about the view, what about driving it around town i mean you live a bit slightly out of town yeah. but in london you know they are they, they get a lot of bad press because yeah. there is a lot of them in central mm. london where there's the concentration of wealth and yet they are mismatched to the size the, of the streets and the, yeah, yeah, and the parking in spaces not really no because i think it because it's a range rover in a way i think if i'd been in an x7 or a merc gls or a X5 bentayga M. Yeah. all of those feel more objectionable in a way mm. but at the same time you've got it is a they're all bloody huge cars mm. and they don't really fit on our roads and I only see it at the moment the next generation is being bigger again and mm. bigger again I, I don't see anyone I, winding back on scale I do love the new one that you're running to because the four wheel steering oh, the just rear blows steering. my mind have you followed him out of the office in it I did mm. the other week and it's bonkers because he said I'm going to phone him because it's broken again <laughs> the rear axle has come completely off he's going to crab down the road it's not he's just sort of, you just see him he's never going to make that turn and it's then he's good, off and it? I'm having it's, to do him yeah, three yeah. points it's bad because I constantly look in my mirrors to see what they're doing. <laughs> yes. And it's a bit bad when you're parallel parking because you never really know where the wheel and tyre is because mm. it's never straight. But mm. yeah, it can get you in spaces that you would never yeah, ever yeah. done before with it. It's yeah. very clever. Mm. Right, okay. next question. Um, two left, mm. gentlemen. Um, where are Range Rovers manufactured? They're built in Solihull okay. in the West Midlands. The Land Rover have got other factories uh, factories around the world, but they only build the Range Rover in Solihull. I think it's because, as we said, it's the OG. It's the one that started it yep. all. The they, Defender, the Defender, well, the new Defender being the kind of new kid on the block, that had to be... Uh, that's that's been shipped out. Got Brazil, to, China, yeah. India, depends who... Yeah, if you want your Evoke. And I think Disco come. Sports and Evokes are built, yeah, pretty about five or six different places around the yeah. world, aren't they? Yeah. But Range Rover, I think there is that intrinsic link into Solihull that they, they've had since the year dot and that's where they build them and this is the they flagship. still feel that's Solihull a valuable thing shout louder about that I completely I agree think, you know yeah. Ferrari get, you know, get all evocative about Maranello Modena mm. and Lamborghini with Sant'Agata like you know come on Land Rover yeah. where's the Range Rover Solihull edition let's hear it for the <laughs> West Midlands <laughs> let's have a bit of love for you know part of the country that doesn't often get it they're producing one of the world's most desirable cars yeah and if yeah. Alpine's doing the Endstone edition surely the Solihull <laughs> yeah. like, that's, come on there's more the people 
Oh, there's a jar Land Rover. You heard it here yeah. first. Um, all right. So, uh, final question now. Um, do Range Rovers hold their value? Um, oh, uh, it's a question without a single answer, really, because as we've described, there's so many different generations that the prices go from an old bag of rust. Yeah, um, and the the early ones that you know the OGs now because they are rare and they're acknowledged as now like the first in a line of a great lineage. They've bottomed out and gone back up. But so I've just, just for curiosity's sake, I've just looked up on the classifieds, the cheapest Range Rover in the UK um, that's not listed for spares and repairs or that's been crashed. So and the cheapest stolen. Range Rover yeah. that might work. Yeah, the cheapest yeah. Range Rover that might work is <laughs> a... Grand, it's it's, it's 2007, okay? Yeah. It's a 4.2 litre... V8 with a supercharger on it. It's a Vogue SE, which I think is quite a good spec. It's grey. It's got silver wheels. It looks rather nice. It's done a mere 231,000 miles, and it could be yours. I can see you're interested, Ollie, for a fiver under two and a half grand. Under two and a half grand? I mean, that's got to be well, worth more than that in scrap metal, isn't it? It's got 395 brake horsepower. Take it away. But, yeah, um, yeah there's... If you scratch around, it looks a bit undignified already scrolling through the lower reaches of Range Rover classifiers because there's certain cars that have really lived a life, had some rather dubious and unfortunate modifications applied to them to make them look like newer Range Rovers and they're not very graceful. But, I mean, you seem to be able to get into a... Here's a TD V8 Westminster edition, which was quite a highly spec car. 2,943,000 miles, six grand. So yeah, you can you can buy a Range Rover for super many money. Central but... London credentials. They've done a special <laughs> done edition. Westminster. They didn't do Solihull. They did no. Westminster. But yeah. also the <laughs> other end of the spectrum. If you bought a new one, you could probably sell it today for more money because they're still going for overs. I believe. Well, you talked demand... about your your friend who had to give away their build slot. Yeah, like, here's you know, an interesting. Agony. They'd, they'd, mm. they'd worked hard for that. Here's an interesting thing. If you go on the Range Rover configurator, you can actually filter by the availability, which goes to up to tw- over 24 months. So wow. you can filter yeah, by, yeah. like, the, 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 the soonest you can get a car is 9 to 12 months, okay? And then you, you filter by 12 to 18 months, or you can filter by, I'm prepared to wait over two years. And will it, will it mm. then remove certain engine and wheelbase configurations yeah. Yeah. that so are not you, on the menu? You, basically, if you want an autobiography, which is, you know, the, the top dog, then you're waiting two years. But, yeah, I heard earlier in the year that they had a order bank of 200,000 cars. Yeah. And it was 240,000 at one point. I mean, that's a a legacy. Yeah, they've they've had this huge backlog, not just of Range Rovers, but of Defenders, mainly Range Rovers and Defenders. And then Sport compounded that as well. But and that was mainly due to all the reasons we know it's COVID, it's Brexit, it's supply, supply of chips, shortage, and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, but they now think that's stabilised and it's go, it's coming down. But at the same time, for the next couple of years, you're if you've just bought a Range Rover, it's going to be worth as what probably what you paid for it. Yeah, as long yeah. as there's a twenty four month wait for a for a top long, spec one, then someone's yeah. But but long-term Range Rovers do not tend to increase in value, as Ollie said. The originals now are worth money. But I don't think the generation that came next, the... um, Layer cake. Yeah, the layer cake issue, I don't think those are ever going to be worth the money that the... The originals are, and I can't see any other generation really being. No, but if you've got a friendly local specialist who handy with the spanners, you know you can get the goats, the possibly the greatest four by four of all time, for like three grand for a reasonably tidy yeah, one. Yeah. I'm tempted. I sense a Top Gear project car coming on. What a shoot vehicle that would be! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Fantastic. some camera attachments and chill the champagne just, in the back. Just a point, though. I remember driving, though, that 4.2-litre supercharged V8 in period. It did about 15 to the gallon, if you're lucky. <laughs> Once it's done 230,000 miles, you'll be filling, filling it up. It's nice filling it up. You're just filling yeah. it up. It's just leaking yeah. on the floor. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is going to cost a fortune. But I think we should hear from the viewers, too, and they should let us know what their favourite Range Rover is. So we'll put it in the Spotify poll um, function, and you can choose from... The OG to the layer cake one to the goat, the goat, and then onto the chintzy one, and then the pebble. <laughs> the pebble. <laughs> the yeah, pebble. let us know what's your favourite Range Rover, and I hope that's answered. We've answered the internet's question, so we must have answered every question. Yeah, I mean, what, you know, they haven't asked what colours you can get them in, but yeah, there's a configuration. You can, you can for that. only configurator and lose a lose a, a day playing around with that. Um, and then maybe play t- around with the delivery times. Yeah, exactly. I'm fascinated. I, I can't wait to see That's what you can snap elements. up in a few months. Basically, the Range Rover that no one wants. Anyway, um, as Rowan said, yeah, hope there was some useful information in there. Um, that was great fun, actually. Going yeah. through all that. Check I feel out like the I full something. review of every Range Rover is on topgear.com. They're constantly mm. being updated as new variants come out. So And um, read about Ollie's um current one in the latest mag and online on the web yeah. and see if he's still got all the door handles. Yeah, yeah our long term <laughs> cars are in the top gear garage. So search for that and it will take you to um well, yeah, our reports of what's fallen off this week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening. Catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, to leave us a star rating. But also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews, we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make. And also there's some new audio tidbits coming. So like Jack says, subscribe. Subscribe.